Hey everyone, I'm Kelsey Snow, and this is Sorry, I'm Sad, a podcast about grief, loss, and the importance of hope. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that every so often, Chris and I do an episode together. Chris's ALS is, of course, happening to him, but it's also happening to me and to our kids. Illness and injury and loss don't happen in a vacuum. They leave devastation and heartache in their wake. They change the lives of everyone who loves the person who is sick or injured or who has died. I find myself drawn to how our losses ripple, to how one event impacts a family. And that's what this next story is about. In 2018, Dr. Richie Gill and his wife, Raman, were living the life they had worked so hard for. After the grueling years of starting a family during Richie's surgical residency, the Gills were back in their hometown of Calgary, surrounded by their friends and family, and Richie was living out his dream as a successful general and bariatric surgeon. Their three children, Seva, Akash, and Arwen, were eight, six, and five years old. It was a beautiful, happy life. Then, on Valentine's Day that year, Richie suffered a devastating spinal cord injury while boogie boarding in shallow water during a family vacation in Hawaii, leaving him paralyzed from the chest down and with only minimal use of his hands. In this two-part series, Raman and Richie offer their individual perspectives on Richie's accident, his injury, and how they have settled into this new life. One they didn't expect, one they of course wish was different, but one that is still so very beautiful and happy. Today you'll hear from Raman, next week from Richie. This is The Gill Story. Sorry I'm Sad is truly a labor of love for me, from finding guests and researching topics to preparing for interviews and recording and editing all the audio myself, a great deal of time, energy, and thought go into each ad-free episode. If you value this podcast and want to support it, please go to www.patreon.com slash Kelsey Snow, that's K-E-L-S-I-E-S-N-O-W, to become a member. Your contribution will help keep this work going, help keep it ad-free, help it grow, and give you access to the Sorry I'm Sad Patreon community. Okay, so we're sitting in my house. Raman is the second ever person to record in person. She brought me coffee, so she's already a winning guest. Um, so I first met you years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that my son was in kindergarten because that's when I met your sister-in-law, Heather. Mm-hmm. So Raman's sister, uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law, their kids go to my kids' school and they live just down the street. Um, and I was thinking about that meeting because – our lives were so so different. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> Our husbands were both so healthy, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and everything was just peachy for mm-hmm. us. You lived, uh, you know, we were living the life that we imagined, I guess, as yeah. as Thoreau would have said. Um, but about one year apart, both of our lives were completely upended. So, yours when your husband suffered. Um, a spinal cord injury and like a really completely freak accident mm-hmm. and mine when my husband was diagnosed with ALS. So different diagnoses that really result in the same thing. Mm-hmm. Your husband, immediate paralysis, my husband, eventual paralysis. And so I think not long after we went public with Chris's diagnosis, you messaged me on Instagram and it's just like this different, different level of conversation immediately. Right. Yeah, for sure. And even if it's not like an actual deep exchange there's this understanding that mm-hmm. we have this eerily same fate mm-hmm. that's yeah. just kind of strange. Yeah. Um, so before we sort of get into your story and how your life got upended and what it looks like now, 
Um, I wonder if you can tell me how long have you and Richie been married? We were married in uh, June 2007. Okay. Yeah, so, well, now I do the math. So 14, <laughs> 15. We got married in 2007 as well. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we're coming up on 15 yeah, years. it's a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. It's a big one. I didn't, I have, I didn't even, like... I didn't even thought about that until right now. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, you've got some months still. Yeah, I have a few months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now you can put it in your calendar. <laughs> so, yeah, we were married in June. We met uh, during undergrad. We were both. Okay. I met him when I was 19. Okay. Uh, Are you the same age? Yeah, one year apart? One year apart. He's a year older than me. Yeah, and then it was just, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, as soon as we started dating, it was pretty much smooth sailing. And, yeah. you know, hey, we're got engaged yeah. and did all the things and so what were you going to school for uh well i did an undergrad in uh, uh the, in science okay and biological sciences and then i went to uh social work oh, okay mm-hmm. so it's a different shift mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh richie obviously went on to medical school yeah and was a very successful bariatric surgeon here mm-hmm. in calgary so mm-hmm. you did the whole were you were you married when he was going through his like residence, all the yes. nitty gritty, yes. crappy parts so we, of medical we school? We had babies <laughs> during that period. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, looking back, I, I don't even know what we were thinking because <laughs> I, you know, and then I look at. Um, like some of his colleagues and other couples, and they were like, "Oh, we're going to wait until <laughs> after residency," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that would have been smart." <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, we moved to, uh, he went to Edmonton, obviously, before for med school. And then after we were married, I was up there. And now um, he was in, like, just the early years of his residency. So he did, he the general surgery residency is a five-year program. And after three years, uh, you can, well, ideally, you should you know, do some research mm-hmm. and make yourself a better candidate. It's such a competitive field now, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, 20, 30 years ago, where mm-hmm. you didn't have to have, you know, just residency was enough. And now, you know, they want you to have done like a master's degree mm-hmm. or a PhD. And so um, the timing of that actually worked out pretty good. Like Seva was born, our oldest daughter was born in 2009, mm-hmm. and he started his research um, July. Okay. Uh, so of that year. And so research tends to be uh, a little bit of a more nine to five schedule. Okay. It wasn't really for him because <laughs> he doesn't, everything that's supposed to be nine to five, he seems to turn it into, you know, 24 hours. But um, <laughs> very passionate about yes, his work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, his, the, the research ended up working out really well for him. So mm-hmm. he, you know, so we had Seva and then we ended up having a gosh and he continued to be on research and then turned it into a PhD. And so he took another year. So he took three years off instead of two. Okay. And, um, and then we had Arwen and he went back to residency and then it was even busier because he had to study for, you know. So other. you had all three kids when he was in residency? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're looking at me like, all oh. oh, the medical wives out there are like, what? I know. What did you do? I know. You had the babies and then, <laughs> then you started the hardest, most demanding part. I know, part. <laughs> the most demanding. And I, 
We just, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we had to get some help and we, yeah. you know, our, we're both born and raised in okay. Calgary. And so. Yeah. You guys have very big supportive family. I know yeah. that from knowing Heather and, mm-hmm. and Ricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like my mother-in-law came up every other weekend and I, I always used to joke with Richie, especially after our 10 year anniversary. I was like, I think I've spent more time with your mom <laughs> than I have with you <laughs> during our marriage. Cause she, you know, she helped out a lot. Um, and then, yeah, from there, you, you always just start thinking, well, this is going to end at some point. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, life will get easier. Yeah. The kids yeah. will see their dad more. Yeah. Um, and they were so little. So yeah. they just, we just, yeah. I don't know. They were, you know, I look back at that time now and I think we just kind of flew through it. Mm. It was hard. I mean, you know, to be so sleepless all mm-hmm. the time and to not have a partner at yeah. home all the time to help you, but it was fun. Yeah. We yeah. were happy. Yeah. And you had, you know, those little babies mm-hmm. and you had family around and you had this great life waiting for you on the other mm-hmm. side of residency, mm-hmm. right? Like you get through that sort of, I don't know. I once had a friend, heard a friend, uh, call the years when you have like a, all your kids are little at the same time the meat grinder years <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah probably more so for you yeah. if you're going through residency <laughs> as well but you kind of feel like you get through that you see the light at the end of the you tunnel, do right there was always this light yeah and so when did the light come so how how old were the kids when you moved back to calgary then? so say about the um had was just finishing kindergarten mm-hmm. so she would have turned six okay so they would have been like six four and two okay when we moved back to Calgary. Yeah. So he, you know, he was able to get a job here. You know, we considered ourselves really lucky because, you know, it's hard to get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, uh, you know, we looked for hosts and Mm -hmm. we had friends who lived in the neighborhood who were like, you have to come, you know, Mm -hmm. come live here. And we did and, and settled in Mm -hmm. and then ended up with really fantastic neighbors and awesome. and then Heather and Ricky ended up moving yeah. inner city too yeah. they you know when we first moved inner city they were like I don't think so no <laughs> that's not for us we're not and then they were here like I don't know five months later uh, <laughs> yes I think that that could be a whole episode of the closeness of those brothers mm-hmm. right I think that's oh, <laughs> they're very close yes right? they yeah. are that you know that was that you know coming back I thought okay you know as a staff you would, um, his schedule would be a bit more, um, family friendly. Mm. And then, um, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I got the, uh, well, now I'm new. So, you know, I I had to work hard. Yeah. You know, so give me two years and, and, um, and I remember going to the staff party and, you know, one of his senior colleagues said something to the extent of like, you know, like, yeah, the first 10 years, they're pretty. And I went, <gasps> what? 10? Ten. Ten. What do you mean? No, this is not what he said. Yeah. When does this normalize? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, it, it's, but the thing with, with Richie is like, he's not um, someone who can't not do something 100%. Yeah. Whether it's work and family too. So, you know, he would come home from working, you know, all weekend or, you know, being on call and going back and forth and come home and be like, okay, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Let, you know, be right in there with the kids Mm -hmm. and right in there. Um, None of the like, I'm so tired. None of that. Like, if that was me, I would be like, (laughs) nobody talk to me. (laughs) Nobody look at me. Uh, Like, I need my space. Nobody touch me. Nobody (laughs) touch me. (laughs) Yeah. Like... You do not know what I just did. 
Like, yeah. this is the, now this is me time. Sorry. Yeah. And it, we never heard that from him yeah. ever to be that type of person, to be so happy. I mean, yeah. you know, to be so tired and happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you look at that and you're like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. So, that makes it doable for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it does. Attitude. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's infectious, right? And I always say this to Chris like, Chris is a really positive person too. Um, and then, you know, throughout his, illness. He's had moments where he has, has struggled as he should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say to him, like, you're the barometer, like for better or worse. <laughs> if I'm in a bad mood, the kids are like, whatever, whatever, whatever mom. But if dad's in a bad mood, everybody's like, what's ah, going what's on? Ah. And so I'm like, you have to, sorry, but you always have to mm-hmm. be happy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you want the kids to be happy, yeah. you have to be Get happy. two minutes over there in the corner and yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of, it can be a lot of pressure, I think, but it also comes pretty naturally. Yeah. Um, I think for, for people like Richie to mm-hmm. just kind of step up in those situations and, and lead, right? Yeah. Lead by their own example. Oh, for sure. So that kind of gets us to, I guess, February of 2018. Mm-hmm. And you guys were on a much-needed family holiday. <laughs> we sure were. Right? <laughs> so at that point, your kids were – let's see. I wrote this down. So Arwen was five, mm-hmm. Akash was six, and Seva was eight. And you guys were in Hawaii. We were. In February of 2018. And how long had you been there before the accident happened? Uh we were set to come home, I believe, on the 16th. Okay. So it was toward the, seventh, the end of Yeah. Trip. So we had already been there for over a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good trip? It was an amazing trip. Yeah. Like it such. was a really, really good trip. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was the first trip where um, I felt like, okay, we've got this. Like, mm. you know, because it was still a, it was, it was part of a conference. That he, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't a, yeah. you know, full on, full on yeah. vacation. So he was still gone during the day to, you know, they have seminars and mm-hmm. lectures and things like mm-hmm. that. And, but um, in the past, when we had done trips, and we'd only done a couple, because you know, after the first couple, I was like, no, this it's isn't vacation. <laughs> it's too hard. I'm in the hotel room with yeah. little kids, and um, you know, I remember like. Just like the dirty diapers would pile up and yeah. the, you know, the housekeeping, mm-hmm. like the the food trays and every mm-hmm. and I was like, it's so beautiful out. We're in this great place and mm. it's just really hard for me to enjoy it yeah. because it's hard with little kids. They have, you know, you you get out for five minutes and then it's nap time. And yeah, especially with the three and the mm-hmm. different stages and everything. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's just not fun being you know, in a in a stroller when it's so warm out and they yeah. want to be free and you can't chase three of them around yeah. a pool. Like it's just. Yeah, you're on total zone <laughs> yeah. at that point because yeah. he's not there. Yeah. I always, I even have a hard time and I think it's a mindset for me because Chris has got a bit of, always had a bit of a crazy schedule too with, with hockey and, and all of that. And he used to travel a decent amount and and I would always have – I'd always be fine during the week because mm-hmm. I didn't have the expectation that he'd be there mm-hmm. to help, right? It was like, well, he's gone. He's never around. Mm-hmm. He's gone a lot in the on the nights because he's got games right. or whatever. But on the weekends, I always struggle because in the weekends, in my mind, it was like, well, now, now I should be getting should, help. Yeah. You know, and Why now – are there games on the weekend? <laughs> yeah. And now we should be having our family time. Yes. And now I'm doing it by myself. I and I think know. it's the same oh, when you're like on a holiday 100%. like that, right? Yes. And they're not – they're in that moment where in your head – you should all be together. You should all be together. Yeah. 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 And so this was the first time where, 
you know, he went and did those things, but the kids were old enough mm-hmm. now where yeah. they would get themselves ready mm-hmm. because, yep. you know, getting ready for school is one thing, but getting ready to go to the beach or the pool, hey, yeah. we'll do that in two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we'll make our beds and clean up our stuff and yeah. get our breakfast down yeah. if we're heading out to the pool. Yes. 100%. Right? Absolutely. So it was um, a lot easier in that yeah. sense. You had this ground floor room where um, we opened up the doors on one side, like the patio doors. Mm-hmm. And so if I was just, you know, packing up our stuff, for, in, they could just kind of yeah. go and roam around. Mm-hmm. And we didn't feel trapped yeah. in this room. It was just, it was a really, um, you know, fun yeah. time yeah. with everything. Like, you know, you're not worrying too much about them even in the pool because they can all swim Mm -hmm. and um, they can spend hours on the beach and you're okay. This was the life you'd been waiting for. Yeah. Really. And it was like kind of your first Mm -hmm. real like grab onto it and Mm -hmm. say, oh, this is what we have years to come, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can do this. He can be gone for half the day and Mm -hmm. we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, even now, like the kids will look back and be like, that was so much fun. Oh, yeah. It was a great vacation. Yeah. Just don't tell that one thing. <laughs> Except, you know, that one thing that happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. So on Valentine's Day, you guys are all at the beach together, right? Um, n- no. No. So we – it was early in the morning and um, the girls wanted to go to the pool. Okay. And, um, and Richie and – Gosh, wanted to go to the beach. And so I, you know, I was like, hey, why don't we just all go to the pool? And we had planned for later on to put the kids in kids club. Um, We were there with, you know, other friends of ours. And Mm so I was going to go to the spa with, you know, Mm -hmm. my friend Sheila. And and then we were going to have a dinner out. Mm -hmm. And and so he said, you know what, I'll go to the beach with the gosh, you know, we'll have some time there. You go to the pool with the girls. And it was all like, you know, all like five minutes away this mm-hmm. way. And, yeah, that yeah. Way. and and I go to the pool and, you know, all of our friends were there. They catch there were about three or four other families and um for this conference. For this conference. And um Richie and Akash were the only ones. It was uh probably 10, 30, 11 in the morning. So they were the only ones that went down to the beach. And, um, you know, a little while later, there was um, this man came up and he was sort of shouting. He was kind of part of security. Mm-hmm. And there was another lady in a gosh. And um, and the man, like, is shouting, Mrs., you know, is there Mrs. Gill here? Mrs. Gill. And mm-hmm. I kind of went and, you know, everyone around – uh, yeah. So we were all sitting on those loungers with our books mm-hmm. and, you know, hats on and mm-hmm. the kids were in the pool and, and I kind of stood up and, you know, your heart starts yeah. to beat really quickly and you're like, yeah, that, you know, I, that, that's me, me, that's me. And everyone kind of stood up around me and, uh, you know, Akash was with the, he was holding the hand of the lady that was walking behind this gentleman who was, you know, shouting out my name. And um, he's like, your husband's been injured in the water. Mm. And I thought, um, 
like, what can happen to you in the water? Right. And, um, and so, um, our friends, um, ran down immediately. Um, and cause it was probably about like maybe a, a two to three minute run down to the beach mm-hmm. and they, um, had brought a cart and another one of my husband's colleagues, um, sat down in the cart with me and we went down and I could see the ambulance. And, um, I mean, by this time they had him on a stretcher. Um, and when I got there, he was, he was talking Mm. and, like not just talking, like giving directions. <laughs> you know, like I could hear him say, Okay, where's my son? Yeah. You know, and um my son was with me, where is he? Yeah. And then, you know, we had a beach bag. It's you know, oh. telling them where that is and um and then and so I thought, you know, I kind of felt better. And I was like, Oh, he's okay. Yeah. Like it's not that bad. No. It's not that bad at all. Like, and, um, you know, and then I went to go with him and he's like, oh, nope, you're not going to come with me. I want Neil. (laughs) And so Neil, um, another doctor, another doctor and, you know, Sheila's husband, they're really Mm -hmm. good friends of ours. Um, and he's a journal surgeon as well. And he's uh, protecting you at that point, do you think? Or I don't know if he's protecting or he just wants you know, the best person in terms of medical yeah. knowledge mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, no, I want Neil to come and ride with us. And um, and he's not said anything to you about, at that point, not being able to feel his legs move. Um, like I can, he hasn't, he's not saying anything to put, I know this is what, other people are communicating like the paramedics and Mm -hmm. you know the other doctors you Mm -hmm. know they're all you know and another one of his colleagues you know he's like you know it's probably just shock you know Mm -hmm. because you can you know I know that's happened Mm -hmm. before where you can you know get hit and Mm -hmm. your your spinal cord kind of goes into shock yeah right and sort of swells up a little bit but you're you're okay Mm -hmm. the paralysis wears off and you know and so that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. This is just temporary. Temporary. Mm-hmm. And um, I was driven to the hospital. So we're in Maui. Yeah. The, the hospital's a good half an hour away from mm-hmm. where we're staying. It's, it's, it's a long but quick ride yeah. to the hospital. And he's, you know, um, R10, another one of his colleagues, he's driving me and he's holding my hand. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> before we had even left the hotel, like on the way to the parking lot in the in the hotel, I uh, had called up, you know, his one of his closest friends in Calgary, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't pick up mm-hmm. my call. And then he had called. He called me back, mm-hmm. and you know, and he's known to make these sort of silly comments. And he's like, you know, what's happening there? Like, what's going, you know, yeah. what's, what could be so important? Like that you had to call me from your vacation. And then I, and he could tell from like my first couple words. Yeah. This is serious. Yeah. Something's not right. And kind of just said, you know, 
this, you know, Richie's been taken to the hospital. Mm -hmm. This is what they've said so far. And he said, it's okay. Just let me make a couple phone calls. You know, I knew his next phone call was going to be to Neil. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so, so now I'm driving Mm -hmm. to the hospital and, um, and Neil calls us on the cell phone. Mm -hmm. They've now seen the image, like the x-ray and, you know, he says that um, it looks like the spinal cord's been severed. And I, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what to say. Impossible. Mm-hmm. I just, I needed to get to him. Yeah. Yeah, because you had just seen him and you thought, okay, it's not that bad. No. Then you you don't, he's not there with you and you find this mm-hmm. out in the car mm-hmm. and you're like, but he, but he was fine. But he was fine. Yeah. He's good. At what point did you learn what the accident actually was? What had happened to him in the water? I guess it kind of came out like slowly, even like when I got to the ER, you know, by now we were all there, like Mm -hmm. all his colleagues and friends had Mm -hmm. made it there and driven. And we were in the, you know, in the ER room and, you know, the, the doctor had said something to the extent of like, you know, these are the days I really don't like at work or, mm. you know, mm-hmm. when you knew like, okay, if, if this is a bad day for you at work. It's a real bad day for me. Mm-hmm. 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 So Richie had been boogie boarding. Was it caution in the water with him? No. Okay. So they were boogie boarding. Um, in quite shallow water. Yeah. And not uh, – like the water was not very, you know, animated, let's say. Right. It wasn't. Still, it was a still it, day. Real, yeah. Like the waves would kind of come in and out. And, you mm-hmm. know, we'd been to Hawaii the year before. Um, and like we'd boogie board. We were all boogie boarding then. And those waves would take you like halfway up the beach. And mm-hmm. so these, like these waves were nothing mm-hmm. compared to those waves. And so he, you know, he had said to me that Akash had, been just going all morning and he was doing his best to kind of help him catch a wave because yeah, yeah. they weren't really very big waves and and then Akash was like you know what I'm gonna go play in the sand for a bit and he was like Richard was like well you know what maybe I'll go in for one last run mm-hmm. and so he went in and um the wave pushed him down pushed his head down into the sand and broke his neck luckily um someone on the beach saw what happened and she was there with her husband and her um, son-in-law and her husband um, was also a doctor. He was an anesthesiologist. Good thing you were there for that conference. I know. Uh, From Saskatchewan actually. Oh wow. So they, so the, this, this, this woman saw what happened and sent her son-in-law and husband into the water. Yeah. Cause the, I was, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously getting ready to talk to you and it's no small miracle that he didn't just drown. Oh, because oh, obviously he sure. couldn't move he after couldn't he couldn't move. He couldn't move. And so he was underwater. He was underwater. He was face down. Hmm. And, um, he knew immediately what happened he like did. he knew right away he could he felt that you know that sort of click in his Ugh. in his snack and conscious the whole time conscious the whole time and he also knew that um he couldn't 
he couldn't take a breath in because then his lungs would fill up so with water. His breath. He was holding his breath. And they said it was about about 40 seconds or so. And he did. And I mean, you know, he says that, you know, he had to make a decision. Like, do I let this end? He said he knew his son was on the beach. Mm-hmm. And didn't want Akash to see him die. No. So, um, he held on. Mm-hmm. And he knew there were other people on the beach. There weren't a lot. Maybe that was probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because then he might have been lost in the crowd. Mm-hmm. He knew he, he had his son on the beach. and He wasn't going to let Akash see his dad come out of the water mm-hmm. like that. So he came out of the water and was able to mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. So Kosh heard him speak mm-hmm. and knew, okay, dad's mm-hmm. dad's okay. Dad's okay. Yeah. Which and totally changed. Oh. Even though the result was was traumatic. Mm-hmm. That moment was so much less traumatic oh. for Akash. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um up until now and maybe for the rest of his life, I don't think it will ever have that weight yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if, if even he had come out of the water unconscious, like the fact that he came out of the water and could could talk, mm-hmm. right, and was awake and mm-hmm. alert, yeah, that made Akash feel like, okay, well, Dad's still dead. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's good. So, I mean, he. Uh, it's not that he doesn't talk about it. There for him, there is nothing to talk about yeah. as far as that is concerned, right? So because it didn't feel no traumatic to yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, and you know we've taken the kids to, um, you know, counseling and, psych- yeah. you know, they've had psychology appointments and, you know, we've, you know, yeah. we've been like, hey, can dig into this? Yeah. Is there something he's not telling Make us? Make sure there's yeah. nothing repressed nope. there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and even when I got down to the beach. Yeah. Which also made you feel reassured. Yes. Yes. He was, he was See, okay. Being the barometer. <laughs> yeah. Being the barometer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so then, yeah, to the ER, yeah. when I got to him, I, he was actually, um, at that point, he was really angry with himself. <sighs> he just kept saying that, you know, like he had ruined our lives uh. and he had ruined the kids' lives. Hmm. And that was the first time, like, I just had ever heard him really talk like that mm-hmm. even. Um, and I... Um, you know, I didn't know how to take that away from him. You can't. Yeah. I'm sure you can reassure them, right? But you mm-hmm. can't can't take it away. No. All you can do is like reassure and reassure mm-hmm. and reassure. No, I was we're just, just glad happy you're that here. he was alive and that yeah. he, you know, and and that he was okay. Mm-hmm. But you could you could feel the the intensity in the room. Mm-hmm. You could feel the the shock and the sadness. Mm-hmm. Everything was different. Yeah, everything was different. Yeah. And they wanted to, um, you know, just uh, put him in a a brace Mm -hmm. and fly him back to Calgary. Like immediately? Immediately. Because we were in Maui. It's a smaller hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, his friend said, no, not a chance. Not yet. No. He's going to a major center here. And so he went to Oahu. They flew us out to Oahu. 
you know, that's, that's, uh, the major center in yeah. Hawaii. And, um, and then we knew that, you know, they would probably, um, you'd probably undergo surgery pretty quickly. And what was the surgery for? Um, because the, the spinal cord is protected by the spinal yeah. column. Yeah. Like, so that had been, um, you know, broken and shoved into the cord okay. as well. So, you know, to maybe relieve pressure, pressure take, you know, at this point, you know, where the image is not clear, but to us, it shows that it's been severed. And then, you know, in Oahu, we learned that it wasn't severed, okay. but it was damaged pretty significantly. Okay. Like the pressure that it had been under, mm-hmm. they classify these injuries as either complete or incomplete. And his was a complete, complete, complete injury. Even though it wasn't to- severed completely. Yes. The damage was enough that mm-hmm. it was complete. Mm-hmm. At what point did you guys realize the extent of the paralysis? Because obviously where these things happen mm-hmm. in your spine impacts which parts of your body are uh, affected, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm assuming he knew immediately. Because he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he could tell what he could do and couldn't do. Yeah. And when they flew us to Oahu, it was just him and I. And then... Uh, Neil followed and um, he was still at that point um, talking Mm -hmm. and was able to move his arms. You know, looking back, I can't even remember to what extent he could move his hands and fingers. But uh, later on that evening, breathing was getting really hard for him. Mm. Um, And I think that's when the decision was made to um, have surgery, like we knew he was going to have surgery the next day, but I, that's when they pushed it up because now he was starting to lose more and more function. So that compression was yeah. was resulting in more mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when he had to be um, trached, um, you know, before that happened, you know, Neil said to me, he goes, you need to get your kids on the line. Say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, they need to hear his voice. And so they're still back at the hotel mm-hmm. with everybody mm-hmm. and they have no idea what's really happening. Um, you know, they know dad's been in an yes. accident, but they don't know. They you know, heard him talk. Yeah. And so oh, don't yeah. know. They think maybe they, he broke his leg yeah, or something. Yeah. Right? They don't know the extent. Yeah. No, they don't. Um, what was that phone call like for you to talk to the kids? <sighs> it was really hard. Yeah. Did they understand what you were telling them? Um, No, and I don't know if I really even told them. Just talk to dad. Just talk to dad. And, you know, I had to sound, like, happy. Fine. Uh, Yeah. I had to sound okay, right? And that was just, you know, that was scary for me, too. Mm -hmm. Thinking, okay, what? Like, And how do I do this? Yeah. And he's, you know, he's getting trained. Like, you know, I'm I'm trying to work through this, Mm -hmm. and now we've got to get the kids the kids and to talk to him and you know hear his voice and yeah and so they did they you know they were all hey dad (laughs) get better yeah we're you know this is what we did and we did you know they're so little at that time they just did they ask what was hurt on dad at all do you remember you know i don't even remember such a blur Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. such a blur and the pressure of knowing that you have to have that conversation not being prepared for it at all and say, now you have to talk to your dad and what do I say? And 
it's a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. right? If that's the last mm-hmm. time they get to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. So he went in for the surgery. Yeah. And he came out of it just fine. Yeah. I remember before he went in, there was a point when um, when I was there, when we had first arrived um, to the, you know, the ICU in Oahu, and he had coded in the room. Mm. And I was, you know, they sent me out, and I, you know, sitting there by myself in this dress in a really cold <laughs> yeah. ICU thinking, oh, my God, like, What's what happening? is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know... This cannot be happening to me right now. Mm-hmm. This cannot be happening to us. Yeah. This is not my life. No. But he did, like, he made it. He's yeah. good. And yeah. so I just. And when he came out of the surgery, the fear was, okay, well, will he be able to breathe? Right? Like, mm-hmm. is this damage so complete that he's not going to be able to breathe? How quickly after the surgery did you guys kind of realize this is what we're dealing with? He can breathe. He can't use his hands. I don't know about the hands and arms yet. I remember him not like if the the function was getting lower and lower mm-hmm. the feeling you know from his you know where he could maybe feel below the nipple line he was now not able to the yeah so the sensation was you know disappearing mm-hmm. as far as the breathing i learned that that he would be able to breathe on his own mm-hmm. that would like he would be okay mm-hmm. you know in time that trick would come out and mm-hmm. he would be able to do this on his own right so there was waiting, even though he'd come through the surgery, it was like, now let's see mm-hmm. once the swelling goes down. Yeah. And they knew, like, I remember them throwing out those, like, you know, this is a, I mean, Richie would be able to tell you in more detail, the C6 or C, but the level yes. of injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, you know, I knew it, but it just, it didn't mean anything to mm-hmm. me. Whereas, you know, they hear that number and they know, okay. This means everything for me. This, now. yeah. But for me, I just wanted him, I just wanted him alive and I mm-hmm. wanted him I wanted him to be happy and fulfilled like he was in life. That's such a hard one. That feeling of really, and I felt this way after Chris was diagnosed, of like desperately wanting to hold on to the life that you had, Mm -hmm. right? Just don't let, don't want it to change. I just want it to be Mm -hmm. the same. And and even though you know, cognitively you understand everything has changed, Mm -hmm. you're still holding on to this notion that maybe... Yeah. It's just a blip. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it won't change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you in Hawaii before he was airlifted or flown, medically flown back to Calgary? A week. A week. Mm -hmm. His friends flew out. We had, we had a, like, we basically had our own medical team Mm -hmm. there. Um, But, you know, uh, Neil had already flown out. He was in Hawaii with us. Mm -hmm. And then three of his closest friends, Mm -hmm. his brother, Ricky, flew out. Um, His cousins. Mm. Yeah, they all came for the week. And And then you all flew back together on the medical charter? Um, I did not fly back on the medical (laughs) charter. You were not invited. (laughs) I was not. I did not. I did not make the list. (laughs) Yeah, no ambulance, no plane. (laughs) Um, his friend Rashid flew back with him and Neil flew back with me. It, it was sort of, we had, we had, a uh, his group of friends who, you know, surrounded him, but also surrounded me mm-hmm. and, you know, they went to work right away. Mm-hmm. It, it was all hands on deck for everything. When you got to Calgary, did you have at that point a pretty good idea of what you would be dealing with? Yeah. So if you can just sort of describe Richie's paralysis. 
So he has no sensation, basically, I would say even just a little bit above the nipple line Mm -hmm. and below. So no movement or sensation in the legs. (laughs) And his arms, um, his pretty limited function. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's able to, I would say he was, he has more bicep function than he does triceps. Mm. And we have learned now uh, over the course of this journey that triceps are very important, Mm. (laughs) more important than biceps. Mm -hmm. Um, So like pushing yourself up. Pushing yourself up, Mm -hmm. you know, lifting. Mm -hmm. um, And, uh, you know, he's very uh, limited sensation and movement in his fingers Mm -hmm. but enough to um you know feed a fork through and you know feed himself enough to you know maybe tighten around a a cup and um hold his phone okay yeah so he's able to do everything on his phone so he can text and text so he can use his fingers enough to text yeah or voice dictation yeah yeah that's huge but he's able you know enough the text like pushing the the he can like the the some of the mm-hmm. letters and numbers, but it's easier to dictate to just, and then just correct. Yeah, and and dictation has gotten so good. Oh yeah, so he's totally and completely able to use yeah. his phone. You know, it's definitely changed his life and you know the whole family. But we've just found a new way and mm-hmm. a new normal, as they yeah. say, right? Yeah. <laughs> you went from that conversation with the kids. When he's going in for surgery, then they go home. Mm -hmm. And so you guys are still in Hawaii and the kids are back here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. What or when did you have that conversation with them to say, this is what we're dealing with. This is what dad's injury looks like. I don't know if we ever said anything was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. It was more like, this is what's happening now. Right. Like right now, dad can't, dad can't walk. Mm -hmm. He can't. And, you know, when he was back, when he flew back here, he couldn't talk because he was, he still had a trach. Yeah. Mm. And so. So the first time they saw him, he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. Mm. But at that point, I mean, they had a device in, in Oahu where he, like he was able to speak with his eyes. Right. Yeah. I guess ALS patients use that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to adjust to that. Oh. Like it's very frustrating for a lot of people to adjust to that. And so to have to do it. And a lot of people get time to practice, Mm -hmm. right? Before. In ALS, in the ALS world, because obviously that's what mm-hmm. like la- and the last stage of ALS looks like. Yeah. You can move your eyes, and really, that's it. Yeah. But I I know that I've read about how frustrating that can be, oh, and it was so, so to frustrating to be, to have to do it like yeah. all of a sudden. I'm yeah. sure it was so hard. Yeah, and he's typically not someone who gets very frustrated. Like yeah. he's so patient and just and to see him try to communicate with us mm-hmm. in the hospital and. You know, there were times when he would try and like he'd put maybe a couple words on the screen or just try and communicate with me through. Mm-hmm. And at that point he was, I feel like he was moving his hands or his arms a little bit. Um, and I would have not a sweet clue what, what he, was, he saying. was saying. And I remember Rashid being in the room. And this happened so often where like he would know exactly what he was saying. <laughs> I'd be like, <sighs> and- you know, of course, they've all known him much longer than I have, too. Um, so, right, I'll give it to them. But still, and then there were other, you know, I'd be in the room by myself, and I'd, like, leave the room, be like, Rashid, go back in there. I don't know what, I he's, know what he's You know? Chris says that all the time. He's like, Cohen never un- misunderstands me. He's like, why can't you understand me? I'm like, I don't know. I have a lot going on in my brain. 
If you start a conversation out of context, I'm not really sure. I I need context. I know. And so, yeah, it was just, you know, you have these moments. But yeah, it, you know, it it was, it was frustrating. Um, When he said that that day of the accident, um, I ruined our lives. Did you guys have to revisit that conversation? Mm -hmm. Oh, lots of times. What did that look like? A lot of tears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From him and from you. Mm -hmm. Both of us. You telling him no. No. (laughs) Him saying. Mm Mm-hmm. As he, sure knows, did. he knows, he yeah. knows the extent of what yeah. is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the, you know, we talked about this earlier. You sort of have this um, image of what your life will look like mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just the ultimate planner mm. and had to be because, um, you know, our lives were planned months in advance, right. always, mm-hmm. because just with his schedule. So he knew what we were, like, we always knew what we were doing mm-hmm. six months down the line, a year down the road. Like, we always had everything set out. And, the, you know, just even the things that he saw himself doing with the kids and, you know, our, our life as a family, mm-hmm. you know, our goals, it was all so different. Yeah. So different. Um and different is scary. Yeah. How long was he in the hospital in Calgary? Almost six months. Wow. Mm-hmm. As that time went on, how did you see that impact the kids? You know, it just, it became our new routine. And so we took them all out of all the activities they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried, you know, initially we thought, okay, they'll continue, you know, going to tennis and mm-hmm. doing their thing and playing hockey or whatever. And, um, but, uh, it was just so hard. Like we came back in February, March, it was so cold Mm -hmm. and the days are so short Mm -hmm. and, you know, to go after school and get an activity in and then get into and go to the hospital then Mm -hmm. and spend the evening with him. It it just did not make sense. Mm -hmm. Like it was just really hard. And so we, you know, they went to school and then we went to the hospital every day and it was, It was really hard in the beginning um, when he was in ICU and he was so tired. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how are we going to do this? You know, we take books Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I'd say, let's, we're going to read with him. We're going to do this. And he was barely there. Mm -hmm. And I, it was exhausting for me, but for them, you know, they got to know the nurses. They knew where the popsicles were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and they just adapted really yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And as he became, you know, he moved from ICU to the the ward and then he went to the rehab mm-hmm. unit. Um, you know, it was just uh, the, the new environment wasn't, you know, after being in the rehab unit for so long, it wasn't even new anymore for them. You know, they mm-hmm. knew like, oh, there's days that, you know, we're going to do painting tonight. We're going to mm-hmm. do that. Like it just became their routine. Yeah. And you know what? You know, you ask me the impact on them. What they got out of that was a lot of time with their dad Hmm. and time together as a family, which we didn't have before. Hmm. We did not spend every evening together. It was, you know, it was mom and the The kids. kids. You know, there were times when they could go weeks without really seeing dad. Because he would be out the door in the morning, you know, their, their quality time with him was, you know, making uh, a breakfast shake, mm-hmm. you know, waking up, he'd be out the door by 7.50, 7.45, or sorry, 6.50, 6.45. And if they 
were, you know, able to get out of bed before seven Mm -hmm. and which they would try Mm -hmm. so they could see him. And then, you know, he'd be home late. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't get that time to really just hang out with him. Yeah. That, you know, wasn't centered around, okay, quick, let's get this bedtime story in and get to bed or, you know, I've got to get to work. Yep. You can start my car and push on on the splendor, you know? Yeah. Hmm. It's strange how, I don't know, maybe you can, you, uh, I'd be interested to hear how you experienced this, but when Chris was diagnosed, Mm -hmm. there was no like, oh, obviously different, right? Like Richie had this injury and the injury was what it was and it was immediate. And so for us, it's like a a slow loss of function until, until he has basically what Richie is dealing Mm -hmm. with. Um, But for us, I think, and, and it sounds similar, what you're saying about, about that time together is like. It wasn't about, oh, let's take this trip and let's go far. Let's do see this. And we want to make sure we get that in. It was just like, let's take more bike rides and let's Mm -hmm. do these simple things and let's spend this time together while we have it. And I know that everybody says like, and I don't like the notion of like, oh, this made us better people, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But of course, there's, of course, these things shift your perspective, right? How were you during that time? It's hard. Yeah. Really hard. Like at the end of the night, mm-hmm. oh, when you get the were, kids in bed. Oh, I have lots of crying. That's when you get Lo- to cry. Yeah. In the car. I would be in, in the- my closet. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, sometimes on the phone with a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just- lots of tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like, I remember those days just being um, like you had to be on. Mm-hmm. Like I had to be on during the day when I was with Richie in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, just, it's okay. We got this, you know, no big deal. <laughs> it's fine. Really big deal, it's but fine. no big deal. We're fine. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then with the kids mm-hmm. and then you're still doing all the normal, like you're still making lunches and you're still. Laundry. Laundry. Mm-hmm. Clean the toilet. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All those things. Life doesn't stop. No. You know, I mean, we have an amazing group of people around us who, you know, took on so much, you know, groceries and Mm -hmm. food and all that sorts of stuff. But, you know, at some point, you know. That's going to stop. mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. That can't be lifelong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just just have to do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to go day by day. And, yeah, you have these moments of, like, what – just happened Mm -hmm. this cannot be true but it did yeah and it is true and then you have these three kids and you have this husband who is so happy and fulfilled Mm -hmm. and that's all you want is for him to continue to live a really fulfilled life and have peace right Mm -hmm. it is it's hard but you know i also found it really easy to talk to richie too you know we had you know, we, we, and we, you know, we call them our pity parties and we're allowed to have them and we, you know, we have our moments and then you go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get up and you figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, you find, you know, the, the humor Mm -hmm. in the moments too. And, and I, I feel like him and I have that down really well. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about 
this interview and thinking about like, you know, those moments of sadness, you know, in the beginning they were quite often. And then, you know, when he came home, they were maybe, you know, maybe once a month, twice a month. And then they turned into, you know, maybe once every three months. And, and then, you know, thinking about it, I can't think back to when we had a moment like that now mm. in the last few months. And a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with just the type of person he is. Yeah. I was going to ask that, like, Chris is such a positive person. And I think that that's what everybody who meets him would, would say optimistic, positive, you know, but he also can like compartmentalize his way out of mm -hmm. like never really reckoning with what's going on. Mm -hmm. It sounds like right away, you know, Richie was very aware of the devastation and mm -hmm. the change mm -hmm. that his injury was going to cause, mm -hmm. bring to your family. And I wonder, um, I wonder the evolution of that when those conversations stopped being, I ruined the family. And when you saw that sort of optimism and positivity come back for him, how long did that take for him to kind of, not to say that it was ever static, no. like not to say that there was a point of like, yeah. okay, now I'm done thinking that, right? Like mm -hmm. we have grief comes in waves it and does, it's not linear. It does. But I think without even really knowing, you continue living your life. And as you do, you see that life's okay and life is good, mm. you know, and you, I, I, I would have to say the kids definitely brought us through that mm -hmm. because I mean, they were not so little that it was hard, right? Yeah. They weren't toddlers. Right. You weren't still changing diapers. No. And um, and they weren't, um, you know, old enough to really understand the yeah. enormity of the situation, like how devastating it really, really was. Forever. Yeah. The foreverness of yeah. it, right? It was like, this is what we have right now. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like we would take the keyboard to the hospital room for piano practice. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that would, you know, we would, it would just like, we would do math and yeah. we would read. And when you're in that moment and then you reflect on it afterwards, that was really fun. That was really nice. And yeah. then you just like, you do it every day and you do it again. Yeah. And, you know, like he, in the hospital, he, you know, now he had a goal. Like, I think that that was something that also, um, for him, you know, so you, you have to have a, a, a shift in mindset if you're going to be goal oriented and mm -hmm. know that, you know, this is my focus today mm -hmm. in rehab. Right. And then this is my focus for three months down the line when I want to be home. Mm -hmm. And this is when I see myself, you know, even going back to work. Right. And those sorts of things, you know, they don't just come to you, but you also learn from other people's experience too. You know, when Richie was um, in the midst of his residency and, you know, one of his uh, senior um, chief, well, his chief resident at the time, um, one who really gave sort of, I guess, planted the seed of general surgery in him. Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed with ALS mm -hmm. and he had four, four kids. Mm -hmm. So even before he started working as a, a general surgeon, he went away to fellowship mm -hmm. and that's when he noticed some tremors. Mm -hmm. And so he never actually became a surgeon. Yeah. I mean, he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So smart. And so he took on a different role, you know, as, as a general surgeon. Like, you know, yeah, he didn't do surgeries, but taught the students. Right. And so Richie had that right away in his right mind away. of like, I can pivot. I can pivot. You know, so he saw this. 
Mm-hmm. And he saw that, you know, Drew continued to live a really fulfilled life. It's so important. Hey, yeah. yeah. It's been an important example for our kids. Um, you know, much like you felt right after Richie's injury, the notion of all we need is you alive, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like, mm-hmm. is the same thing that we go to. And we, our example in our family is always um, this for- former NFL player, Steve Gleason, yeah. who's lived with a, a trach um, for like, he's had a trach for like nine years. Yeah. He's had ALS for, maybe he's had a trach for like eight years. I don't know. He's had ALS for 11 years, 11 or 12. Um, and and, you know, we've had these different stages of conversations with the kids because obviously our situation is a little different in that it's evolving, right? Yeah. There's just kind of like static. This yeah. is where dad is. And and so, you know, like when Chris's smile started to disappear and when he started to have trouble swallowing and we started to notice difference in his in his voice, we had conversations with the kids about, you know, voice banking. And, and, and Cohen right away could say, well, da- someday will dad talk with the, with the cool computer like Steve mm. Gleason? You know, and, and so we can say, yeah, and look, like he's still, he's got two kids. He's a dad. He's still the same person. Mm -hmm. And all that matters to us is that dad's here. And if it comes to that, yes, that's what will happen for Mm -hmm. dad. But that they can see that even in those scary parts, life can be good. Mm -hmm. And that there's, you know, I think that's just such an important thing to have that, that person in your life to look to, to say life can still be really beautiful and good, even. Yeah. In an unimaginable totally. situation, yeah. right? And, you know, maybe not the way that you imagined, but yeah. still so fulfilling. Yeah, totally. And still so um, happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be sad. You know, we're really fortunate to be surrounded by people who we see, you know, living their best life mm-hmm. in the face of such adversity. And so you look at that and you're like, hey. We can do that too. We can do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, one of his you know, colleagues and close friend was hurt in a skiing accident and then has a very similar injury. Dr. Ian Rigby and came to the ICU mm-hmm. when, you know, Richie was in the ICU and sat down with us and said, look, you know, yeah, grocery shopping, that's kind of hard. And I was like, okay, well, Richie doesn't grocery shop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, changing a light bulb. Yep. Yeah. Uh, can't do that. I'm like, well, I don't know if Richie ever changed a light bulb. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, totally. Okay. And hey, you're, you know, he's still working. Yep. You know, we saw that. We saw mm-hmm. people who believed in us. Yeah. Yeah. Some people who don't treat you guys like, oh no, God, I can't imagine. Yeah. Right. Like a devastating case yeah. of sadness, right? Like yeah. that's not a fun way to be treated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I find myself feeling that way when, you know, and I, I know people always mean really well when they say things about you being, and I know you guys get this oh. too, you're so brave, you're so inspirational and all these things. And I appreciate all of those things I because I know those people are supporting us. And at the same time, it's like, well, we're just living our life, right? Like this is just our life. And it's it's not about being brave. It's just about doing the best we can mm-hmm. with what you have. Mm-hmm. But I think people are just so scared of that, that, that worst case scenario, totally, right? Totally, totally. And, and I you get know, that. their intention is always good. Oh, yes. And, you know, if the situation was different or reversed, mm-hmm. I know. The I same. mean, that mm-hmm. exactly. And I would be like, oh, that is just so devastating. Mm-hmm. That yeah. seems so hard. And it is. It's devastating. Yes. It sucks. It is. It's de- yes. so hard. Yes. And. And also. Life can be. Yes. It's all of it at it's all the of same it. time, right? Yeah. 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 So you guys are 
approaching, I mean, just next week here, the four year mark of this Mm -hmm. injury. Um, And while we have spent a little bit of time just now here talking about how good life can be, life is also hard, Mm -hmm. harder than a lot of people's Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Um, A fear I have in my own marriage is sliding too far into the role of caregiver and away from the role of like wife and partner. Um, And I wonder what that's been like for you, because I know that you are a caregiver. Um, It's funny because like even prior to the injury, like there's so many ways that you're just more of a caregiver, like I was in our relationship anyways, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean- those, You're the mom. Yes. <laughs> um, and because you were you were ho- home, stay, right? Yeah, you were staying. You were staying at home. Yeah. Yes. And the thing you said about like the groceries and the light bulbs, I, I have a similar story in that like the first year Chris was diagnosed, one of my dear friends messaged and said her husband would love to put up my Christmas lights. And I was like, thank <laughs> I you. But I put up the Christmas yes. lights. I unclogged the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> I fix the lights when they aren't working. <laughs> that was never Chris's job. He was, was very good at dishes. <laughs> you know? <Aww. laughs> We'd always joke that, like, I'd be building things and he'd be, like, breaking down the boxes, <laughs> which he's not very good at anymore. That is a skill he's lost with the one hand. But, but yes, I, I understand what you mean in that sense. In, in another sense, there are things that you do now that you wouldn't have imagined oh, yes. having to do before. And mm-hmm. I wonder how you find that balance of still being – a wife mm-hmm. and a partner yeah. while doing those things that, that, you know, neither of you imagined you would be mm-hmm. doing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, I think we both have different roles, um, in a way, but for what he's really good at is saying, okay, this is what I need from you. And this is what someone else is going to do. Mm-hmm. So there's a clear distinction distinction and you know um when it you know we have we have help at home right and we have um you know we have help in the morning and in the evening and so for me I don't feel like I'm taking care of him I look at it as like this is our injury you know Mm -hmm. there's him and there's me and then there's an injury component. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I'm like, oh, or it's like a part. Like, it's just. You never feel that way? No. That's amazing. And I think. Do you think, think it's because you have enough help? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I have help. And I think it's also because, I mean, I'm there, I'm tired. Yeah. There are times when I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. But it's you have not. have a hard night or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not like. You know, like I went away, um, and this was the first time for a hockey tournament for, of course, for a hockey yes, tournament. Well, that, that should, of course, <laughs> that's your first weekend away. Not a girls away. trip, but. <laughs> no, hockey tournament uh, to like some horrible small town <laughs> hotel, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, and we went back and forth on how like we would manage the logistics of it all. Like, does he come with me? Do we go for one night? And the grandparents come, like, how do we manage this? And because the- now the kids are how old? Let's uh, nine, yes. 10 and 12, nine, 10 and 12. Okay. So yeah. a bit even older now, yes. obviously, and yeah. more capable, and... more capable, but more busy. Yeah. <laughs> like... So cause you, your oldest plays basketball. Yeah. Well, yeah. Volleyball, volleyball, basketball, ho- tennis, soccer, yes. hockey, like, yes. all the things. All, yeah. They're just all over. Yeah. So, so you decided that I would go and we would just have our, like our home care come in more often. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we're going to make this work mm -hmm. and, um, no one overnight. And, you know, typically our nights are, you know, smooth sailing, but still, you know, of course it's going to be that one time you're gone. So, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. but, um, you know, we were okay. And I went and I, uh, messaged a friend and I said, is it weird that like I miss him so much? And it's cause, you know, like he may need me, you know, physically or, yeah. you know, but I, depend on him so much emotionally mm -hmm. and we spend so much time together and talk so much you didn't have that before hey no hmm. and that like he is truly the best part of my life That's in beautiful. every way and gives me so much just by being who he is and so you know like i do help him with things, but he'll, he helps me too. It's yeah. both ways, you know, and you realize like how much someone like really is so, you know, intertwined into your every being yeah. then, you know, like I used to, I used to joke because I would say to him, you know, I don't know if I actually loved you when I married you because yeah when we had kids and seeing him being a dad, especially, you know, like we had this little girl, we didn't know, we, you know, yeah. we never knew what we were having, you know, we never found out before. So, you know, this little girl comes and I've always, you know, I think, oh, he's going to be fine. He's a doctor. He's delivered babies before. He's good. To <laughs> and then he's, you know, holding Seva and you see him break down yeah. and you see him, you know, he's like, you know, this is it. Like, I got to be a good man for this girl, you oh, know, and you yeah. just, you know, and that to me, like, I was like, that was love. Yeah. Like what I felt before was not love. That was love. And now, you know, and now we, I'm like, I don't know if that was love. <laughs> like, yeah. Because what I feel now, like keeps the to depth. see someone like lose everything to not be able, like he loved his job. Like he loved work. He loved going in and operating, he could, you know, he, he loved sleep. So to give up sleep to, <laughs> you know, take yeah. out, you know, your 500th appendix, like yeah, that's yeah. love, right? Yeah. So he absolutely loved it, you know, and he, he was an athlete, mm -hmm. loved playing, like he could play anything yeah. and be like, did he play college, university mm -hmm. basketball? He did. That's what I thought. Yeah. For the dinos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, he'd pick up a tennis racket, be really good at it. Yeah. And like, you just know, an just want to, you know, so mm -hmm. like all those things to not be able to do them anymore mm -hmm. and to still be so happy and to like wake up each day mm -hmm. with this thirst for what's ahead yeah, and to know what you can't do and still have that mm -hmm. for life. I just like, I, I watch him sometimes and I'll look at him and I just, I'm like in awe that I get to be with him and that like my kids get to have him as a dad yeah you know mm -hmm. and it like it'll, it'll hit me sometimes because you know like i mean I've, I've i think i had this conversation with you where you know he's trying to now you know help out with like drills and you know <laughs> we're in we're in our in our living room and which is you know a, a pseudo gym now and <laughs> he's like hey rom rom like show them like you know do this step and do this you know and i try my best like <laughs> Yeah, I played, but like not like, yeah. you know, and and he'll just look at me and go, what are you doing? <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and 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 the kid and I'm like oh goodness I like the wrong person got hurt like <laughs> and then you know and then I, you know I go down that hole of like thinking about that and I was like you know like that would really change me as a mom like the things that I would want to do with but you know like the baking and the making yeah. and then I'm like wait a minute like this has completely changed how he probably thought of himself as a dad yeah to not be like right in there playing catch playing like this is the defensive yes, stance fast like you know we put a net up in the backyard and he would be out there yeah 24 7 mm -hmm. with them he really would be yeah. like those things wrestling with them yeah like all those things that are so physical and so part of being a parent mm -hmm. you know that doesn't even cross my mind unless mm -hmm. i actually you know intentionally yes. think about it because he's such a good dad yeah. and i think my kids get so much out of him mm -hmm. i don't think they lack in any yeah. way i really like i really honestly truly believe that yeah i don't think that they are missing anything from their father was that just an immediate and very natural pivot for him because i do think that for a lot of men those types of things like physical play mm -hmm. you know t wrestling tickling mm -hmm. all like playing ball mm -hmm. whatever those that's a, a for a lot of dads, the way that connection happens, yeah. the way that they show, show their, their love. love. Yeah. Um, and so was that pivot for him in parenting pretty immediate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's just been really seamless. Yeah. I think, I think the first part of it is just that he just gets to be present. Yeah. That he's home. Which is totally different. Yeah. Right? And you know, we'll joke and he'll say, oh, you know, maybe I'd be doing this. And I'd be like, no, you'd probably be at work. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. You know, you would have missed that conversation mm -hmm. and that moment mm -hmm. and because you would have been at work. Yeah. You know, just, you know, he gets to be a part of this life mm -hmm. now. Yeah. He gets, gets to be present and be part of home mm -hmm. and every day. Mm -hmm. Do you remember kind of at which point, you know, we talked about like the first months after six months after the accident, he's in the hospital, then he comes home in those first months, you're learning, right? Do you remember at which point you kind of felt like I got this kind of came up for air? How long that took for you? Hmm. Probably say, um, it was probably like a good six months. Yeah. Yeah. When you look back on the last four years, you know, what kind of emotions first come to mind for you or what kind of words would you use to really describe it? Kind of in a broad sense. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I want to say comfortable, but mm. not, you know, not, I guess we've come to a place that's comfortable. Yeah. I guess looking, you know, it was something that was unbelievable mm -hmm. at that point. It was devastating. It was heartbreaking, but we've come to this place of such comfort now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, when someone says the new normal, like I think it becomes the new normal when it's, um, when you, when you can find comfort in it mm -hmm. and you can like, you can see it as your day to day and, and, and be at peace with that. Mm -hmm. I, rem I, I remember you asking me, um, you know, are you still like, do you still hold out hope for a cure or like a Walking fix again. to this injury, yeah. you know, and. I would say in the beginning, that was all I had. Yeah. Was like 
hope. And there was just no way this was permanent. Hope that it could go back to the way it was before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That that was the only way that I was surviving. There was not a chance that this was permanent. This was not going to be our life. Right? Yeah. It just wasn't. Mm -hmm. Like, I could not reconcile that. And it's funny what time does. And, like, your actual lived experience does. And, you know, you can fight it and you can say, no, this is not us. Mm -hmm. But but it is. And you know what? It's not a bad us either. Mm. What does hope look like for you now? You know, for Richie to be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. To see his... um, To see his grandkids. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like... Well, that was something I also didn't know. I always thought, you know, once you were in a wheelchair, like, I really didn't know, like, life expectancies, and I didn't know that they were, uh, you know, that they could be high. Like, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not super high. I mean, definitely his chances of, you know, heart disease, stroke, right. or higher, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of things that I still worry about. So I'm always thinking about, like, you know, blood clots. And, like, yeah. I'm one of those. You like, still have a lot of fears. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I can't, you know, the worst thing did happen to us. Yeah. And we're still going. So yeah. I can't, I can't just, you know, be lost in those thoughts all the time. Totally. What have you learned about yourself in the last four years? I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I can um, step up. I was able to take a, a back seat to Richie mm-hmm. a little bit, and I and I enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with him being, you know, the go-to for, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. And now that's me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. We, we would ride our um, bikes to the hospital when the weather got nice mm-hmm. then you know, we'd each have a backpack, like, you know, I'd be carrying the panini press cause our supper was like wraps or so, you know, and the kids would have, like, mm-hmm. I would pack up supper and we'd, you know, ride our bikes to the hospital. And, um, you know, it's a bit of a uphill at one point. Yeah. Like, so, you know, either we cross through St. Andrews and we're picking up our bikes and, or we just ride uphill. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the kids want to go up and then they go right down. Mm-hmm. And so we're, on our way home and, you know, like that, that hill right behind the hospital, it's like straight down. And the, the kids are like, oh, we're doing this again. We're going. And just me and not, they're all waiting at the bottom. And I'm like, I'm just going to walk this bike down. And I got a panini press on my back. This, <laughs> this is not going to end well. And we don't need another no, injury no, in this don't. family. And, and they're at the bottom going, come on, mom, you can do it. Come on. And I it's like, I can do it. You're right. And so, you know, now it's me out there. Like, it's me on the ski hill with them. Yeah. So I know that I can do these things. I mean, they still beat me at everything. <laughs> They're still better at everything. Yeah. It's all right. But, hey. <laughs> You're doing it. Yeah. You're doing it. Yeah. All of it, right? You guys yeah. are doing it. And yeah. there's, it's obvious how much joy there is. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful for you to, for you to have found just a much deeper love and appreciation for mm-hmm. Richie and all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am so grateful for you <laughs> sitting here with me and telling me all of this. Thank you. Thanks Thank for inviting me. Thank you. For and for like, <laughs> and for like asking, asking you over, over and over. And over. <laughs> actually, actually, one of my good friends 
his son is on Akash's hockey team. Yes. And he texts me and he was like, I was talking to Roman and I was telling her how she should be on your podcast. I text from him. I'm like, I didn't put him up to it because I've asked her so many times. Yes. Nick was, he was persuasive. He, he was is. good. Yeah. yeah he was awesome. I was like, I promise I didn't tell him to do it. Then I told him after I was like, I'm, I'm, Roman's going to be on the podcast. You're my, you're my new booker. <laughs> He's going to be a closer, hey? Yeah, you just right. send just him in. in there. <laughs> Shh, don't tell you. Don't tell him I told you. <laughs> no. So awesome. And I think that's such an important part of this podcast is that these things are happening all around us. Mm-hmm. We like to think that the bad things that have happened to us have happened in a vacuum and that we have so many more challenges than other people do. It's just not true. Mm-mm. We're all in it together. We are. Yeah. I know. Everyone has a story, right? I've been thinking a lot since I talked with Raman about love. I didn't realize going into these conversations with Raman and Richie that his accident happened on Valentine's Day. And to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Valentine's Day in general, but I am a fan of love. And after talking to Raman, it was clear that this story is without a doubt about resilience, grit, gratitude, and what really matters in life. But it is also very much a love story and such a good one at that. Be sure to come back next week to listen to my conversation with Richie. I promise you will walk away from it feeling lighter, more hopeful, and filled with gratitude. That's how I felt anyway after talking to him. You'll also laugh lots and be truly inspired by his honesty, candor, and perspective. Last week was the one-year anniversary of this little podcast about grief, loss, and the importance of hope. 22 episodes and more than 40,000 downloads later, I'm filled with gratitude for everyone who has shared their story with me in this space and for every single person who has listened. The most impactful way to support this podcast is by listening and sharing it with others. And of course, if you want another way to show your support, you can go to www.patreon.com slash Kelsey Snow, that's K-E-L-S-I-E-S-N-O-W, to become a member. Your contribution will help keep this work going, help keep it ad-free, help it grow, and give you access to the Sorry I'm Sad Patreon community. Thanks, as always, for listening. The past is never Just raise a doing